Welcome to the weekly Dharma Talk podcast from the Columbus Karma Teksum Choling Buddhist Meditation Center. This week's Dharma Talk is entitled Our Common Enemy by Lama Kathy Wesley. During difficult times, fear can overwhelm us and we can fail to see things clearly. This can lead us to see enemies everywhere, even where they don't exist. Using the teachings of His Holiness Karmapa as a guide, Lama Kathy explains how to see clearly the true nature of our enemy, ego fixation. If you like our Dharma Talk series, please consider donating to Columbus Karma Teksum Choling at columbusktc.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good afternoon. Uh, this is Kathy Wesley, and thank you for joining today. Well, thanks to everyone who um, has been uh, uh, attending the Columbus Karma Takes Some Choling Dharma Talks on Sundays with Lama Tom for the last couple of weeks. Thanks so much for your attention and your um, um, and your interest in Columbus KTC. So, uh, so in any way, um, just thank you for your interest and thank you for being here today. Um, as uh, we're about, we're now about four months into, or three months or four months into uh, our period of public health emergency. And so I've been talking to quite a few Dharma friends uh, in the last few weeks. It's, they're getting a little worn out and I understand this. And, uh, and a lot of people are still uncertain about the future, but we can continue to meet like this on on the internet and continue to share inspiring stories and things that might help us to feel stronger in the middle of the moment. By the way, I want you to say hello to my neighbor, George, who is mowing his lawn right now. So we're gonna have him participate in the soundtrack of this uh, Dharma talk. So go George. And uh, also uh, I wanna thank all of the people who were part of the talks that I did the last couple of weeks. Uh, at the California Karma Takesum Choling Center in Santa Monica, the Karma Kaju Study Group in San Diego, as well as the Solana Beach Dharma Group and the group, uh, the Orange County Vajra Vidya Group. So if you are interested in seeing those or hearing those talks, you can hear many of them on uh, I, the letter I, Robin, R-O-B-I-N, irobin.org forward slash Sangha, S-A-N-G-H-A. So irobin.org forward slash Sangha. Uh, because um, uh, Robin has Robin Mitchell has put up uh, a number of the talks that we did uh, on there, so you'll get a sense of what of what transpired while we were gone. Um, so uh, today I have um, I'm going to talk about uh, the concept of um, of enemy because it seems like uh, there's a lot of difficulty going on in the world today with people feeling strongly that they are each other's enemy and um, and we see this so much in uh, political life we see it in uh, our life at home we see it in all kinds of relationships. And so there's a lot of people who are feeling really, really painful right now. They're feeling a lot of pain right now. And they are looking outward and they're thinking that 
someone outside of themselves is part of the problem, part of what's causing them so much pain. And they're feeling blame and they're feeling like they need to know what to do. And so I thought that it would be a good time to, um, to share the Buddhist concepts about the word enemy, what the word enemy means in, in terms of Buddhism and how we can think of it and how we can work with the concept within ourselves. So that's, that's today's topic. So before getting started, I'd like to recite a short prayer and this will be in uh, the Tibetan language. Oh, Sanje Chudong Soji Chonam La Jang Chu Pardu Dani Kyapsuji Daji Jin Soji Pei Sunam Ki Drola Pinchir Sanje Druparsho. And uh, in English, in the Buddha, his teaching, and the order, most excellent. I take refuge until enlightenment is reached. Through the merit of generosity and other good deeds, may I attain Buddhahood for the sake of all that lives. Uh, and then I'll recite one short prayer of my own, uh, asking for the gurus and the masters of the lineage to be present with us today. Oh, Paulin Sawelama Rimboche, Tagi Chiwar Pedetan Shala, Kadrin Jembo Gorneche Sunte, Kursun Tugging a Trup Okay. Um, We'll begin with what's called the three excellences. Excellent at the beginning means that we start our visit to get together today. We start the visit with the intention that the visit be of benefit, not just to ourselves, but to all sentient beings. Uh, excellent in the middle means that we practice patience with all of the hardships that go into um, paying attention to a Dharma lecture or being present in our own Dharma practice. And then finally, good at uh, excellent at the conclusion means that we dedicate the goodness of our session uh, at the end. So that's a little bit about uh, the three excellences. So we'll begin with this um, motivation that our practice together today be of benefit to ourselves and others. Okay. Um, so um, the the whole concept of enemy is uh, is of interest uh, from from the point of view of Buddhism. We think we know who the enemy is in our everyday life. We think that our enemy is a person who is turned against us, a person who acts against our best interest, a person who is uh, cruel to us, uh, is um, uncaring toward us and who is harmful to us. So this is the, the common everyday um, worldly definition of an enemy. And yes, the, there are people in this world who are acting badly. And this is why human beings have, an <clears throat> this is why human beings have invented systems of law in order to have uh, a, um, 
a means to protect society from those who would cause harm to those in society. So this is why we have laws. This is why for, for good or for ill, we have uh, prisons and so on. This doesn't mean that law and prisons and police have not been used to harm other people and to carry out systemic discrimination against specific groups of people because it has happened. And I think what we have to do is we have to recognize that gradually over time, human society has made course corrections. And this is another course correction moment that we're in right now. But I wanna go below the level of the news. I wanna go below the level of politics and talk about what is happening in the mind when we think of the word enemy and what happens in our mind when we think of the word enemy and how we think within ourselves. Because from the standpoint of Buddhism, the Buddha said, we are what we think, all that we are arises with our thoughts, and with our thoughts, we make the world. So we're the creators of our experience in this world. And so as a result, we have to think about our experience, and we have to think about how we are creating our experience of the world. And so before there can be uh, an enemy, we have to have the idea enemy. And what's interesting is that from the point of view of Buddhist teaching, the whole idea of enemy could actually be coming from a misapprehension of reality. I know that sounds a little bit strange, but if we look at the teachings of the Buddha, the Buddha said, we are what we think. All that we are arises with our thoughts and with our thoughts, we make the world. So we're the ones who create the idea of enemy. And the Buddha then went on to say, if we think, speak, and act with an impure mind, suffering follows us. And if we think, speak, and act with a pure mind, happiness follows us. And he said, this is the law, meaning the law of karma. This is the law, ancient and inexhaustible. And he said, we are all in this together in that we are all subject to our thoughts and we are all subject to the reality that our thoughts create. And so what that means is that each one of us creates our experience of the world as it is. So in a way, we create the idea of enemy. My idea of enemy may be different than your idea of enemy and so on. And, but this misapprehension that the Buddha talked about, he said, is that from the absolute point of view, from the absolute point of view, there is no uh, reality other than that which is in our minds. And that's a little bit difficult to take. Uh, I know great, uh, many, many Buddhist scholars have spent hours and hours arguing about whether when you leave this room, it actually disappears or if it's still here. Mm. But the misapprehension of reality that the Buddha talked about was that he said this concept that we have of ourselves, me or I, is actually not a unitary thing. It's composed of parts. It's composed of our form, feeling, mental, uh, mental formations, uh, perception, and uh, consciousness. And so our self-concept is not a unitary thing. It's actually made of parts, and each is made of smaller and smaller and smaller parts. So in other words, he said that this being that we call me or I 
actually is, it's something we've created. We've created the idea of me and I as the person who is having all of these thoughts, the person that's thinking these things, the person who's experiencing these things, this is me or I, and we name that as me or I. But if we look below the surface, we will see that me or I is actually in motion and changing all the time. For example, we don't have the same thoughts we had yesterday. There might be some continuity, but our thoughts could change in a moment. For example, if uh, the, the classic uh, example that's used in Buddhist literature is a dark room and there's a rope on the floor of the room. And when you enter the dark room, you see the rope on the floor and you think it's a snake. And thinking that it's a snake, you react in fear. But then when the light comes on, you realize in that instant that what you thought was a dangerous snake is just a harmless piece of rope and you laugh. You laugh because you made a mistake. And so this is uh, what the Buddha said is happening for us each and every moment of each and every day, each and every experience that we have. We have a concept of me or I that is made of all of the thoughts, feelings, and emotions that we're having in any given day. And we try to gather all of those thoughts and feelings and emotions together and call it me or I. But through Buddhist logic, it's taught that there is no solidity to me or I, that it's always in motion, always changing. And because it's always in motion and always changing, it is not intrinsically existing from its own side. It's just the coming together of causes and conditions and moments that cause us to say me or I. So if that's true, and we are just the collection of all of our thoughts, feelings, and emotions at any one time, it doesn't make sense for the me or the I to have an enemy. Because everybody's going through exactly the same thing that we're going through. We create this idea of who we think we are based on our experience of the world, and we carry that around with us. It's almost like we're wearing a box on our heads. And that box is, I am the kind of person who likes this, who dislikes this, who wants this, who doesn't want that. All these ideas we've created. And so we're kind of walking around in our everyday life with this mis misapprehension of who we think we are. And it's like we're walking around with a cardboard box on our heads. And what is everybody else doing? They're also walking around with a cardboard box on their heads, which is their self-concept. And then you can see the comedy, the potential comedy of all of these Cardboard people walking around blindly through cardboard boxes bumping into each other. You can see that. And you can see how, how that would cause so much difficulty. That it would be so much easier if we could just take the boxes off. If we could just let go and relax our self-fixation for just a moment and see what somebody else is feeling. See what somebody else is thinking. See what somebody else cares about. But right now, we're really locked inside ourselves. We're locked inside this self-concept. And the moment you have a self-concept, there's instantly an other. Because once there's self, there's everything that is not me. There's me and there's not me. And then what happens is the me attempts to conquer the not me, and this becomes a problem because sometimes the not me wins. 
So as a result, we then begin to think of the not me as being an enemy, as being someone who is thwarting our wish. And all of this is happening in our mind through definition. Everybody has gone through this at least once in their life where they had a misunderstanding with someone they cared about. They had a misunderstanding where they thought somebody was being rude to them when they were not being rude. And then when they found out, they felt so bad. They felt so badly because that person didn't mean to hurt me and I took it as wrong and I fought with them and so forth and so on. We've all suffered from these kinds of misapprehensions. And so what the what the Buddha is saying in his, in his teachings is that everybody is operating under the same misapprehension. We're all doing the same thing. We're all mistaken about how things are. And what we don't recognize is that we all of us just want the same thing. And that thing that we want is happiness. All beings want happiness. And in that way, we're all alike. You could say um, that Tronga Rinpoche once said, it's not as though um, 80% of people want happiness and 20% don't care. 100% of people want to be happy. But because of these misapprehensions, we think we are solid, real, permanent, and unchanging. And we think that others are solid, real, permanent, and unchanging. And because of that definition, we form the idea of enemy. Now, this doesn't mean that we have to somehow magically change and say, okay, nobody's my enemy anymore. I love everyone, because that's not realistic either. But what we need to do is challenge our assumptions. And I think that's what this teaching is going to ask us to do. This teaching on enemy is going to ask us to challenge our assumptions about who our real enemy is. So if everyone is operating under the same misapprehension, if everybody is thinking, well, I'm me and all of those other people are other, then how do we fix this? How do we, how do we go beyond this? The teachings of the Buddha give several different methods for working with our thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And the basic method is mindfulness meditation, sometimes called by the Sanskrit name shamatha, which means calm abiding. That's the main technique that Buddhist teachings rely upon for us to understand the me and the not me. Through the quiet sitting meditation process, when we sit quietly and we observe our breath as the object of our meditation, and as we observe our breath, we have this short moment of attention to the breath that's then followed by a little bit of wandering. And when we notice the wandering, we, we take hold of that wandering, that thought, and then we label it thinking, we let go of it, and then we return our attention to the breath for a fresh start. And by doing this, we interrupt the story line that is feeding our concept of ego. There's a storyline behind, uh, behind every identification of self and other. The self is, uh, is for, the, for the lack of a better word, is always the hero or the heroine of this story. We're always the central character. And so everybody else is interacting around us. But we think of ourselves as being very important. And in some ways, we think of ourselves as being more important than others. And this is, uh, this is a cause of great uh, 
difficulty for us because when we lack love for others, then uh, we don't treat them well. And when we don't treat them well, they act badly toward us and then difficult relationships only get worse and continue. So using the practice of meditation, we can calm the mind down. That moment when we notice the thought and let it go, that's a powerful moment because in that moment, we decided that we were gonna change the story. We might've been sitting there watching the breath and suddenly we have a thought, oh, what that person said to me yesterday, oh, that was so wrong, I should really get even with them. And then suddenly, suddenly, we recognize that we are thinking. And then we label it thinking, we let go of it, and then return our attention to the technique of meditation for a fresh start. We do that. We just, we just return for a fresh start. We interrupted the story, which means we took control of the narrative. We took control of what was happening. And, uh, and I think that this is, um, that this is just a, a really powerful thing. And when we recognize this, when we're able to do this through the practice of meditation, it's like, it's like a revelation because we can see that we don't have to think those thoughts. We don't have to think the thoughts that, uh, that we might feel compelled to think because we feel wronged in the, in the Buddha's, um, in the, the teachings of the Buddha, his basic teachings, the Dhammapada, the, the basic uh, teachings of the Buddha, he, he talks about what happens when we uh, hold a grudge. He actually describes the process of holding a grudge. He says, um, uh, look how that person uh, beat me and abused me. Look how that person uh, threw me down and how they robbed me. Live with such thoughts and you live in hate. Look how he abused me and beat me, how he threw me down and robbed me. Abandon such thoughts and live in love. In this world, hate never once dispelled hate. Only love dispels hate. This is the law, ancient and inexhaustible. You too shall pass away. Knowing this, how can you quarrel? So... Uh, the Buddha himself is saying that bearing grudges and holding grudges is, is not going to solve anything. It's not going to solve a problem. It's not going to solve interrelationship difficulties. And so as a result of that, we have to try another approach. And this takes us to the, the second level of the Buddha's teachings, where he talks about love and compassion and something called bodhi citta. Bodhi means awakening and citta means mind. So once we have established mindfulness through our shamatha meditation, then we learn about how we hold grudges and we learn about where the idea of enemy begins. It begins inside of us. And then we apply the, the practices of love and compassion as an antidote to selfishness. If you think about it, if we love someone, if we think about someone and feel love for them, then we will have a very hard time holding a grudge against them or hating them. In some ways, my friends who, um, who have children say that when they had their child, they actually began to realize what selfless love was all about and how they were called to selfless love by the responsibility of the child. 
And I think this happens to a lot of people who are parents, but it also happens to people who are not parents, people who have to care for um, an aging parent or an aging sibling or someone who is uh, who's not well. They have to begin to think of somebody else besides themselves. And at first, there's a lot of resentment and difficulty because one is losing uh, one's independence to this other person. But if we think about it after a while, and we actually can see that our love for that person is helping us go beyond our limited idea of self. And therefore, from the Buddhist point of view, separation of beings is a problem because we don't see each other as being alike, but we are all alike and that we all want happiness and that we all have the misapprehension of self, you know, the, the people walking around inside the cardboard boxes analogy. We all have this misapprehension. And so how do we reach out? How do we reach out to others with love? And I think that these are the two challenges for us. How do we recognize our own anger as an enemy? It's actually not us. We're not our enemy. And that enemy out there is not our enemy. Our angry reaction is the enemy. You might remember the uh, the great Vietnamese Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh. One time he said uh, he he was very active during the Vietnam War, and there were a lot of people who were against war. And they said, "Well, we should just, you know, put all of the bombs, send all the bombs to the moon, or something like that." And um, and then Thich Nhat Hanh said, "Well, even if we sent all of the bombs to the moon, he said we would just make new bombs because." The hatred that creates the bombs is in the hearts of all human beings. And so he said, where we have to solve war is not necessarily just externally. Yes, we do have to try to keep people from fighting. Yes, yes, yes. And we have to stop injustice and we have to do all of those things. But we also have to, at the same time, begin working on the place where hatred and prejudice begins, which is within our own minds. That moment. When we see somebody else and say, it's you, you are my enemy. When we, when we have that moment where we identify someone else as being not worthy of our love and compassion, this is where we get into trouble. So um, I remember um, when, his, um, when His Holiness, uh, the, the 17th Karmapa was speaking at Riverside Church in uh, May of 2018, he he spoke uh, for several days on the topic of the 37 actions of a bodhisattva, this particular text, which was written by Muchal Tagme in Tibet centuries ago. These 37 verses talk about how to practice love and compassion, that middle path of the Buddha, the path of bodhicitta, how to practice love and compassion. He taught us how to do that through these 37 verses. Well, His, His Holiness Karmapa uh, had, had a, a lot of really um, insightful observations to make. And one of his observations was, what would happen, he said, if in the middle of an argument with someone, we were maybe arguing about something where we think they're right and they're, you know, they think we're wrong and all this sort of thing. So what if in the middle of an argument, 
we stopped arguing. That was the, the example that he came up with. It's like, what if we just stopped and recognized that our common enemy is the tendency to cling, to cling to and to fixate on the idea that we are right and we are the only being in the world. What if we recognize that our true enemy is not each other, but our own habitual tendency to feel superior to other people, our own habitual tendency to push others down, our own habitual tendency to give in to our anger. And if we could actually just stop the argument and say, wait a minute, we need to, we need to actually team up. Let's team up against our real enemy, which is mental afflictions and habits like anger, the habit of responding in anger. What if we just stopped arguing right now and teamed up and said, our real, our real enemy is our own negative reactive pattern. Maybe, what, what if we did that? And this was just such a moment of brilliance for me to see His Holiness teach like this because this is exactly what it is. We're human and we tend to think the enemy is outside when really the enemy is our own tendency to think that we are better than others and our own enemy is giving in over and over and over again to our mental afflictions. You remember the three poisons the Buddha talked about? Uh, ignorance, attachment, and aversion. If we give in to these three poisons all the time, then we're making, we're going to make no progress and we will not get any closer to solving the problem of anger. So in any, in any, uh, in any way, uh, so what we have to do then is make the decision or, or see that, um, that the idea of enemy itself is a problem and that we need to start looking within. The, um, uh, I don't have the 20, I don't have the 2005, it's on the bookshelf back there, but I have the 1986 edition of The Great Path of Awakening, which is the, um, which is the book by uh, Jamgun Kontrol the Great. He wrote it in the 19th century as a way of um, teaching bodhicitta to um, to his uh, monastics at his monastery, and it's based on a 12th century text called the uh, the Seven Points of Mind Training. And in the Seven Point Mind Training, they teach specific techniques for developing bodhicitta and erasing that that gap between self and other. The, because when we recognize the gap, we can't necessarily get over that gap and see that others are just like us. So how do we do that? Well, we do this through uh, through practice, through meditation practice. Just as in the practice of a shamatha, we notice our prejudices, we notice our difficulties, we notice our tendency to blame externally. Then in the in the next set of practices, the bodhicitta practices, we actually practice meditation that in which we imagine that we get over that distance between ourselves and others. And this is a practice called Tonglen. Many people will know it as sending and receiving. And uh, because the word tong means to send and the word len means to take. So sending and taking is a method of meditating on self and other in a completely different context. Because in Tonglen, we imagine that as we breathe out, we give goodness and happiness to others. 
And as we breathe in, we think that we remove their suffering and their negativity. And that according to Kempo Karthavishi in his book, Dharma Paths, when all of that negativity comes to us, it meets our pure motivation of bodhicitta and all of that suffering dissolves into nothing and disappears. And then with the out breath again, we give goodness to others and so on. And so by doing this for a short period of time, you only need to do it for like less than five minutes. But if you do this practice, it will develop bodhicitta within you. It will develop this mind of awakening, this mind that wants to wake up from the separation of self and other. And so my hope is that um, by teaching uh, about this, that we'll get a different idea about who enemy is or what enemy is, you know, what is enemy and who is enemy and how do we overcome that idea of enemy. And the, the main way to do it is to see that we ourselves have been an enemy to other people. Now, uh, in the uh, today I was working with uh, one of my Dharma friends uh, on the book, The Great Path of Awakening. And we happened to come to the part that I'm going to talk about today, um, where uh, it's in uh, the third of the seven points of mind training. And in the third point of mind training, the, uh, the author of the root text, um, Geshe Chikawa Yeshe Dorje, is talking about what to do when bad things happen. Because what do we do when bad things happen? We tend to look for somebody else to blame. We tend to look and um, uh, we tend to look at um, the outer world as somehow being at fault. We couldn't possibly be at fault. Our self-concept, we protect ourselves from seeing any fault for ourselves. But when we look uh, at the uh, at the the slogans in the mind training literature, the the very first one that uh, that is that talks about this in the Great Path of Awakening is how do you deal with adverse conditions from the point of view of love and compassion? The the slogan says drive all blame into one, and what this means is that we're not supposed to do what we usually do, which is blame externally, because that's usually how we protect our self concept, so that we don't have to feel bad about our self concept. We make up a story as to why we could never be at fault, and it always has to be the other person who's at fault. That person is our enemy. And so that story then becomes part of the mechanism of hatred and dislike. And it becomes a story that we then believe in and believe in and believe in and uh, until we find out that maybe it's not true. So here's, here's what he says to do. This is what John Goncontrol says. Whether you are physically ill, troubled in your mind, insulted by others, or bothered by enemies in disputes, in short, whatever annoyance, major or minor, comes up in your life, do not lay blame on anything else, thinking that such and such caused this or that problem. Rather, you should consider this. And then he gives this little meditation on the nature of self. He says, this mind grasps at a self where there is no solid, real, permanent, and unchanging self. From time without beginning until now, my self-clinging has, in following its own whims and samsara, perpetrated various non-virtuous actions. All the sufferings I now experience are the results of those actions. No one else is to blame. This ego-cherishing attitude is to blame. I shall do whatever I can to subdue it. And so 
through this method of reflection, we reflect on the fact that we have actually been at fault so many times, maybe not in this life, but maybe in many previous lifetimes. We have been the person who caused pain and suffering to others. And now this is the, uh, the action of karma coming to fruition and ripening. Our karma is coming to fruition and ripening as this situation we're in right now. And instead of seeing this as the ripening of a situation, we're instead positing that it is happening because of an external enemy. Now, this doesn't mean that other people can act the way they want with a sense of freedom. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about seeing how we make things worse by only ever talking about others as being the cause of our suffering. And when we only ever talk about other beings as being the cause of our suffering, we're missing a point, which is that in the past, we have been the person causing harm. And this fruition of our karma is something that is a natural uh, outgrowth of what we have done. So, um, and so when I say that the whole idea of enemy needs to be looked into deeply, what I'm saying is that we have to see how our own reactiveness has caused us to, uh, to uh, lash out at others. And when we lash out at others, the impact is that we hurt our own relationships. And over time, those relationships can turn bad. Uh, I remember when, uh, when we were in a uh, three-year retreat, uh, the late master uh, Bokar Rinpoche came and spoke to us. He gave us a teaching. And he said, if somebody else's behavior bothers you, he must have known what it was like to live in retreat with a, with a bunch of the same people all the time because, you know, those stories, they do tend to get started. He said, if somebody else's behavior is bothering you, he said, the reason for this is that you see your own faults in that person and you just can't stand it. The only reason you can see somebody else's faults is because you have those same faults and you can't, and you just can't take it. And he said, so what you need to do is become aware that when you are labeling somebody else as being bad and making a list of all of their faults, you at the same time should be noticing which one of those are also in you and working to resolve the faults in yourself. And this is really important. How do we resolve these faults within ourselves? I think it begins with the practice of meditation, doing regular everyday shamatha meditation as a foundation, and then doing tonglen, loving kindness and compassion meditation as a, as a support. Because if we can start thinking about others differently, if we can start um, at least sending sending love, even if we can't think that we're removing their sufferings, even if we can just think about sending them love, we're going to be farther ahead than if we don't do anything. A lot of people, when they hear about Tonglen, they say, oh, that's icky. I could never take on the sufferings of other people. Oh, that's, I just don't want to do that. But um, I remember many, many times uh, my teacher, Kempo Carter Rinpoche, would say, no one has ever died from doing Tonglen, whereas other people have died from their own negative actions. <laughs> so uh, so what, he's, what he was getting at is by using our imagination in this way, we don't cause ourselves any harm. 
especially if we do it the way that he taught it, which is as you breathe in, the negativity comes to you, but then your pure bodhisattva motivation meets all of that negativity, and then all the negativity dissolves into nothing and disappears. It's right there in Dharma Paths, page 118. Uh, you can look it up and read it and practice it because it's it's a really powerful thing. So um, so in any case, um, I wanted to uh, to talk to you a little bit about the concept of enemy and to kind of ask that you sort of loosen up your idea of who an enemy is. And when you find yourself, um, that's not a verb, animizing, that's a joke, um, it, it, turning someone into an enemy in your mind. It, again, it doesn't mean they're not bad people and that they don't need to be corrected. That's not what we're talking about here. We're just talking about the extra part we add to the relationship, which is the part where we think we're better than them. When we think we're superior to others, we're actually doing them an injustice and we're doing ourselves an injustice as well. When we place ourselves in a superior position to others, we're actually harming ourselves because the more we do that, the more we think that we can get away with harming others and the more we try to get away with harming others, the worse we become. Therefore, this is why all of the Buddhist literature reminds us as we are reminded in meditation that when we notice thoughts, we need to uh, uh, label them and let them go. So if we can see that our common enemy is negativity and our common enemy is our tendency to leap the distance between self and other by saying you're wrong and I'm right, and by trying to push other people down. That was another thing Kemper Bache said. He said, groups of people, when they don't get along, he said, the groups of people who don't get along, don't get along often because they're so busy trying to overpower one another. They're not seeing the whole picture. They're just, they're just trying to overpower each other. And this is what we see so much right now in society. People trying to shout out they're trying to shout each other down and say, I'm right and you're wrong and so forth and so on. And, and there's nothing happening here. So what we maybe need to do is we need to look at each other seriously and say, you are not my problem. My angry reaction is my problem. My prejudice is my problem. And maybe we need to team up against the real enemy, which is wrongdoing. Our real common enemy is doing wrong to each other and doing wrong to ourselves. And I'm hoping that at some point, at some point, we can have a different kind of discussion. We can say, well, how are we going to defuse anger? How are we going to defuse prejudice? We have to find a way to do that with ourselves and with others. So, um, so that is, I think, um, the main the main thing I wanted to talk about today. Um, I remember uh, one other thing, uh, one of uh, other point about this that, that was interesting, and that is that um, we are all in samsara together. Let's just think about that. 
we're all in samsara together. The Buddha said, we are all here in samsara until enlightenment. And so here we are, we're all in, we're all essentially in samsara jail. And the word samsara means cyclic existence, where we just keep doing, making the same mistakes over and over and keep hurting ourselves and hurting others over and over again until we can meditate to the extent that we uh, are liberated. We liberate the nature of our minds and so on. And if we can do that, then we are an awakened being or an enlightened being, and we can show other beings how to get out of samsara too. Until then, what we have to do is we have to find a way to make samsara more just and more bearable for everybody that we encounter. If we can meet people and think about ways to help them and so on and see our real enemy as being our own wrongdoing, our own tendency to harm others, that would be like really, really a great thing. Because um, I think that... Uh, from the Buddhist point of view, Buddhists take a, what, what I would call a long view. Uh, I remember one time, a long time ago, uh, Kempo Karta Rinpoche was asked about this. This would have been, I think, during the Vietnam War when there was so much uh, warmongering going on in the United States and young people were rising up and demonstrating against uh, making war. And um, somebody asked um, Kempo Rinpoche about this this idea of um, protesting and going to war against those who are making war and so on. And Rinpoche's um, response was that we needed to take a longer view because some people were saying to him, well, all these people who are in power, they're harming others and where's karma for them? How come they aren't suffering the effects of their actions? Whereas all of these other people who are doing good how come they're, they're experiencing sickness and they're experiencing being put in jail and they're experiencing all these bad things? Why are all the bad guys getting away without the effects of their karma? And Kemper Rinpoche said, what you have to understand, he said, is that we are not seeing the entire view of that person's existence. We're only seeing the moment right now where they're powerful and doing wrong. He said, what we haven't seen is all of their previous lifetimes where they did so many good things that they that they actually all of that goodness came to fruition as power. But then what did they do with it? They did negative things with it. So it's also not ours to see what will happen to them in the far future. So we won't see the the future results of the actions they're taking now, whereas we, uh, we only see the good things that these other people are doing now where we can't see all of their uh, negative actions from the past. And because we can't see them, we can't see that this is the fruition and the completion of these things. And now that they're completed, they're gone, they're over, they're finished. And so, and what we can't see is then the fruition of all these other people's positive actions because that's gonna be in the future where we can't see. And so he said, we can't, make a judgment based on the current situation where some people are in power and some people are uh, not in power. Maybe perhaps it was different in the past. And what can we do now in order to change that? And I think that's what we need to be thinking about now is what, what actions can we take now to, uh, to, bring, um, uh, to bring our minds to more peace through the shamatha practice and more love and compassion through 
the Tonglen practice. So um, when you find yourself watching the television or reading uh, the, the paper and you find yourself judging and feeling hatred for people, stop for a moment and say, may this person meet spiritual friends, may this person who I am thinking of as my enemy, may that person meet spiritual friends, may they enter the Dharma path, may they purify their negativities and may they become enlightened. And by saying this kind of thing, we make the aspiration on their behalf that they are freed from suffering. And we also in that moment, fight against the real enemy, which is our own prejudice and our own wrongdoing. And if we can reverse that, then that will help. Um, I think that this is something we all should consider, and that is to pray for and make the aspiration that anyone we think of as being an enemy, someone we really uh, feel harmed by, someone we really dislike, and so on, if we can think of that person as being a sentient being locked in samsara, they don't know how to get out, and they're doing so many bad actions that in the future they will suffer enormous negative karma repercussions and make the aspiration that that person be freed from samsara. I think this is a positive thing we can do right now. And it will help us remain clear-headed so that we can fight against the real enemy, which is our tendency to uh, do wrong. Um, now, because of the time I'm looking at the time, I want to make sure that I don't keep you too long. But um, I want to let you know that um, that at the Columbus KTC, we're going to be uh, starting a, uh, a course on the Great Path of Awakening. Um, I'm going to go through the entire book and uh, review uh, the slogans and talk about all of the techniques of meditation that are taught in the book. And we'll be starting that, uh, I believe, in the middle of July. You can, it'll be on Wednesday nights, just for an hour and a quarter. We're going to meet for uh, from 7 uh, p.m. to 8.15 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday nights. And it's going to be starting in a couple of weeks. So you can watch the Columbus KTC Facebook page because that's where the lessons, I mean, the lessons will not be broadcast on Facebook, but we might be doing them on Zoom. So stay tuned. Um, we will either be on Facebook Live or we will be on Zoom. I don't know which one. So we're working on the on all that format stuff right now. But um, if, if this is of interest to you, uh, the book, The Great Path of Awakening, uh, this is again, an old edition. You can get them online uh, and uh, at your better booksellers, but it's something you might wanna think about um, investing in because it's a book that will help you for the rest of your life. So um, my hope is that when we think about ourselves, we think about ourselves with love and with kindness and compassion as though we were our own older siblings. Um, I was talking to someone this week and I said, it's like we have Buddha nature, but we don't know it. And therefore we blame ourselves when things go wrong. You know, it, blaming the victim is something that we do all the time. We don't recognize that we are just samsaric individuals. And as long as we are in samsara, we're going to be subject to the fruition of all of our karma and so forth. But this, for this reason, we need to be in our own corner. In other words, we need to be of a support to ourselves. 
we need to act as though we were our own older sibling taking care of us and being uh, on our side, in our corner, and supporting ourselves as we are working through all of the karma that we're working through in this life. And uh, being compassionate. That was one thing Kimper Bache said. Never let the teachings on karma um, prevent you from being compassionate. And, um, and so uh, I think that's something that we need to, we need to consider. Um, again, because of time, I want to let you go before it gets too late, but uh, I will um, be looking at the comments on Facebook. I have disabled comments on YouTube because I can't watch them while I'm filming. And I also, because uh, of my eyesight, I can't, I can't read uh, the questions that are coming up on the Facebook comments. But I'm going to spend the next 20 minutes or so answering your questions on Facebook. So if you have questions, you can hop over to Facebook. If you, there's also a discussion board on uh, the YouTube channel, and uh, you can uh, and put questions in uh, on the YouTube channel as well on the discussion board, and I'll read them. And uh, so I'm hoping that. Uh, by uh, offering this little um, meditation on who is the enemy, uh, that you'll understand the last words of the, the dedication prayer that we do. Because you've heard the dedication prayer that begins Sonam in, in, in Tibetan, it begins Sonam Deyi Tam Chesik Pani, Tobne Ne Pedro Nam Pamche Ne Chigana Chiba Labdrupai Sipe Soledro Wadrawar Show. In English, it's through this merit, may all achieve the omniscience of Buddhahood. May it defeat our common enemy, wrongdoing. From the stormy waves of birth, old age, sickness, and death, from the ocean of samsara, may we free all beings. And then I love the way that um, when Kempo Tenkyang at KTD Monastery, when he recites this prayer and he says, may we free all beings, may we free all beings, may we free all beings. So the idea is that we recognize and take responsibility for uh, bringing about an end to samsara for ourselves and hopefully coming to help, help others to come to an end of samsara for themselves also. So let's sit quietly for a moment and dedicate the merit of this session, especially to those we have called enemy. May all beings be free from suffering and come to happiness and then to Buddhahood. And coming to Buddhahood, may they emanate in all directions and benefit sentient beings endlessly. We'll mentally dedicate the goodness with this thought in mind. Okay, thank you. Thank you for being here and uh, I'll be seeing you next week. Sorry about the confusion about which Facebook page I was on today, uh, but I will be on the Columbus KTC Facebook page from now on. So. Uh, so in any way, thank you and uh, take really good care and Omani Pei Hong, see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this week's Dharma Talk. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, please subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. To learn more about the Columbus Karma Teksum Choling or to donate to support our Dharma Talk series, please visit our website at columbusktc.org. The opening and closing music for the podcast is Tibetan Flute Song by Tamding Arts at tamdingarts.com. Please join us again next week for another Dharma Talk.